This is the Prevention Podcast with former intelligence officer and author Dan Verdon, sponsored by LiveSafe, the leading risk intelligence communications platform that surfaces early warning insights and prevents serious safety and security incidents to mitigate operational risks, reduce financial losses, and make places safer for people to work, learn, and live. In our research, we're finding in particular that those who say they're living with a vulnerable member of the population, so let's say like healthcare workers, um, essential workers, um, uh, individuals who are older than 65, um, that those people who are living with the vulnerable vulnerable population um, are saying they're feeling like failures more so than other individuals. So 65% of those people are say they're having trouble concentrating at work, um, and then also in other aspects of how they're feeling. As many companies prepare for a phased return to work, human resource managers are preparing to welcome back employees who are emotionally drained, having trouble concentrating, and dealing with the reality that they've lost interest in things they once enjoyed. Between 22 and 35% of U.S. employees often experience these symptoms of depression as they live through the COVID-19 pandemic. That's according to new research by the Society for Human Resource Management. On this episode of the Prevention Podcast, we go deeper into the SHRM survey with Kerry Nelson, a senior researcher at the Society for Human Resource Management, and explore what employers can do to help their employees through this difficult time. Kerry, welcome to the Prevention Podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. So this new research that SHRM put out is very timely, and it shows that COVID-19 is taking a toll on employees' mental well-being. What are some of the ways that this situation has taken a toll on employee outlook and their emotions? Yeah, so... um Actually, I'm not sure if most people are aware, but, you know, at SHRM, we're doing research um, in a number of different areas. So not only focusing on employees, but also um, small business owners and um, uh, organizations. So I'll also probably share some of some of those findings um, within this. But um, when it comes to how we're seeing employees being impacted, I think it's a number of different ways between, you know, people's work lives and then also their personal lives. So. Um, In the survey you mentioned, we're finding that depending on the symptom, about 22 to 35 percent of employees are reporting symptoms of depression often, and then that increases to two and three experiencing those symptoms at least sometimes. So we're seeing during this pandemic that um, mental health is a big concern, and um, a lot of employees are experiencing um, different symptoms. And that's echoed in those other surveys I was mentioning. So for example, we're, we're finding from our surveys of employers that actually two and three are reporting that they're having a challenge maintaining employee morale. So we're seeing that sort of across the board, these mental health issues coming up over time. Um, so I think when it comes to uh, the specific question, that toll on employees' um, outlook and emotions, um, that's coming from a number of different places. So one, we have health concerns. So um, first, employees aren't just concerned about their own health contracting the virus during this time, but they're also actively worrying about the health of family members. So um, in our research, we're finding in particular that those who say they're living with a vulnerable member of the population, so let's say like healthcare workers, um, essential workers, um, uh, 
individuals who are older than 65, um, that those people who are living with the vulnerable, pop vulnerable population um, are saying they're feeling like failures more so than other individuals. So 65% of those people are say they're having trouble concentrating at work, um, and then also in other aspects of how they're feeling. Um, and then secondly, I think it's important to talk about in terms of mental health, tying that to um, job security and financial concerns. So I think that's a big one. Um, people are feeling threatened in that respect. Um, we're seeing those unemployment numbers continue to increase over time. And I think the most recent report that I've seen um, was showing something like 33 million Americans have filed unemployment since the pandemic began. Um, and that is probably going to increase more. Um, hopefully we'll see that level off and, and, and go down. Um, but right now, we're finding in our research that 24% of the employees we're serving, so that's about one in four, um, say their job security has been threatened either to a great extent or a very great extent. And then an additional 28% um, are feeling that their pay and benefits have been threatened to a great extent or very great extent. So we're also seeing some of that mental health toll there and people feeling really uncertain about their jobs and their financial situations. And then I think the final thing that would probably be important to talk about here um, is just how COVID-19 has altered the way we're doing work. So um, in another survey we did, we're finding that about 64% um, of employees are currently working remotely, um, I think as of April. Um, and so uh, a lot of those employees are working remotely for the first time. So they weren't working remotely prior to the pandemic. And that can be really stressful on top of everything else going on. Um, but I also think um, we don't often acknowledge that other group of people. So those people who can't do their jobs remotely and are on the front lines right now, like grocery store workers, healthcare workers, um, who are being exposed to the virus um, and the public each and every day, potentially. Um, and uh, that can be really stressful and take a mental health toll when people are having to choose between um, their health and their livelihood. So I think um, there's a number of factors at play contributing to that, that toll on employees' um, feelings and emotions. Is there a difference between how COVID-19 restrictions have impacted employees, say, in the service sector compared to maybe employees in other sectors that have had an easier transition to remote work? Yeah, definitely. So um, across the surveys that we've been doing at SHRM on the research team, um, we often look at um, industry. So we collect data on industry so we can make those comparisons. And um, what we're seeing uh, with this sort of full picture of, like I said, employees, small business owners, organizations that across the board, we're seeing employees and businesses in that service type industry, um, that service sector, that they're actually being a lot more harder hit than those in like the knowledge-based industry, like that, that typical sort of white collar office work that we think about. Um, and I think one of the biggest issues there, and I sort of alluded to that um, in the first question, is that uh, when it comes to the service sector, a lot of those jobs can't or um, are less likely to be able to be performed 100% remotely. And so when these businesses are struggling, um, a lot of the employees in the service sector are facing either greatly reduced hours as these businesses are trying to stay afloat or they're experiencing furloughs or total job loss. Um, and an interesting thing from our um, mental health survey findings is that um, we're finding a difference in, in people who um, 
feel that their pay and benefits have been threatened between those in the service sector. Um, uh, so kind of like those who can't telecommute and those who can. So um, we're finding that 37% of workers who don't telecommute right now or can't telecommute um, because of their job, that they're saying 37% feel that their pay and benefits have been threatened to a great extent or a very great extent. But a less number, so 22% of people who say they can do their job remotely um, are feeling less threatened. So only 22% compared to 37%. And then another um, important stat I think here is that um, we're finding that uh, when it comes to that earlier stat I mentioned about employee morale, actually it increases of the number of businesses having a challenge with that, um, depending on industry. So about 75% of um, businesses in, let's say, hospitality and accommodation, food service, and healthcare organizations, um, those that have been hardest hit are having the the hardest time with maintaining employee morale. So even when these employers are trying to get creative and um, reassign employees to new do new tasks in order to maybe avoid layoffs or furloughs. It's still sort of changing that nature of work um, within the service sector, which I think can be really, really stressful and challenging all with all the rest of the uncertainty going on. What about gender and different generations? Are there any differences between how genders and uh, generations are, are dealing with this? Yeah. So um, what we're finding is a few differences. So um, particularly women, um, people living, like I said, with a vulnerable member of the population, and then also um, the youngest employees and the oldest employees across the age spectrum. So um, those people are the ones who are particularly experiencing a slightly higher mental health toll right now. Um, so for example, when we're talking about age, we're finding that at the youngest end of the um, employee age spectrum, so Gen Z, so the youngest generation in the workplace, um, that in our mental health survey, we found that that's the group of employees who are feeling the most emotionally drained from their work and the most burnt out. Um, and this is pure speculation on my part, but I, I think some of that might be potentially stemming from the fact that um, Gen Z, um, those workers might be more likely to be filling those part-time positions in the service sector. So getting that exposure to the public, um, that stressor that we talked about. And then also potentially, even if they're not working in that sector, um, they're, they're experiencing this type of turmoil very early in their career when they're still trying to find their footing versus some of the genera- older generations who may have gone through some of these things you know, the 2008 recession, you know, other downturns um, that help them be a little bit more resilient potentially. Um, but we also found, um, we did another survey on remote work um, and telecommuting. And um, we found that actually for that survey, it was the oldest generation. So baby boomers and traditionalists. So the um, uh, are, are the groups who are having the most difficult time adapting to remote work than their counterparts. Um, so I think it's really important to look at these different age groups to really understand how their experiences, their outlook, and their emotions are differing and potentially why. Um, and then uh, the other group that I mentioned, um, women, um, they're more likely in our survey we've found to be um, reporting mental health symptoms than men. They're not huge differences necessarily, but they're notable. Um, So women are reporting having more trouble concentrating on things when they're um, working. They're reporting a higher lack of energy than men. And then they're also saying they're feeling more used up at the end of the workday than men are. And um, 
I think part of that might be attributable to the fact that despite that we're, we're having more equalities these days in the home between, you know, men and women, um, that there's still responsibilities like childcare and elder care that often tend to fall more heavily on women. Um, and that can be particularly exacerbated right now because we know that a lot of schools and places of childcare are closed. So not only are working parents at home um, trying to do their job, but they're also, um, if, if they're working remote, um, but they're also having to um, sort of serve as a teacher and help with their uh, child's schooling at home while they're doing maybe virtual schooling or their school's entirely closed. Um, so that's an additional stressor on potentially those women who the child care or education responsibilities might be falling on. And then the second thing um, is tied to that, uh, those people living with those from vulnerable populations is, um, I think something that's often overlooked beyond child care is elder care. A lot of people are caring for their elderly parents, potentially, um, and that might be causing ad additional stress only because um, we're seeing that this virus is particularly hitting those elderly individuals, those above 65, um, particularly hard right now. Um, so. Uh, potentially women are juggling work and personal responsibilities more so now than ever before. And I think that's leading to some of those gender differences and those age differences that we're seeing. Given what you've learned from the survey so far, what can employers do at this stage to help employees from a mental health perspective, especially since, you know, we're all preparing for some form of return to work? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And, and that's sort of where our future and current research is sort of going to is this idea of recovery. Um, so actually the interesting thing, which I haven't shared yet, is this mental health survey um, that we're talking about today um, is actually the first wave of longitudinal data. Um, so we're actually looking at how employees' mental health is changing over time from crisis to recovery and that return to work. So this is just the first set of research or data from a um, longitudinal project. So we're surveying these same employees every two weeks um, and uh, looking at sort of how, how things are trending. Are things getting better? Are, is that mental health toll hitting harder? Um, so we'll probably have more on that to come. Um, but thinking about that and, and what employers can do, we're sort of trying to address that on those future surveys, like asking employees not only what they're going to do to support their own mental health, but what they're looking for from their employer so that we can give sort of those guidelines to businesses and saying, here's what your employees want right now during this time. Um, but based on the research, I think the number one thing that um, I can recommend to employers based on our research is um, listen to employees' concerns. I think that can often be overlooked and it's a really simple one. And particularly managers, those ones who are working with those employees most closely. Um, and I think that's because every employee has their own situation right now. No employee has the exact same situation. So for example, I talked about working parents who have their children home right now. Um, if they're asked to return to a physical workplace, if they're working remote, um, you know, if their child care, place of childcare or those schools aren't opened back up, what do we do to help those employees? Um, if employees who, um, are returning to work and rely on public transit to get there. You know, what are their concerns? Are, are they going to feel safe going on um, on those means of transportation? So we have another survey um, that found that 
you know, concerningly, nine in 10 people who say they rely on public transit to commute to work are either very or somewhat concerned about taking it again um, when they return to work. So there's these different unique needs that employees have. And if employees um, are able to talk to their managers for that and share, you know, their concerns and situations, potentially there's the ability to set up um, different accommodations or things like that. And then maybe number two, I think, which is really essential, is to make sure that employees are aware of the resources available to them. So, for example, mental health benefits covered in their insurance plans. Um, you know, the really sad thing with our mental health research is we're finding that only 7% of employees say they've reached out to a mental health professional and 37% say they haven't done anything at all to cope with those depression-related symptoms. Um, so if that's a trend we continue to see over time as we're sampling and, and we're doing this research and this longitudinal research, um, that's something that we definitely want to um, raise employers' attention to. Um, and even if that sort of insurance coverage isn't necessarily an option, another low cost option, I think, um, is to offer online resources that those employees can utilize. So, um, for example, we're finding that about one third or over one third of employers say they're providing resources um, to support that healthy adjustment, um, including mental health podcasts, CDC toolkits, um, employee assistance program resources. Um, but the thing is that if employees don't know those things exist, they can't use them. So it's crucial for employers to make sure that awareness is there. And then also, I think it's a crucial for employers to make sure that stigma isn't there about using those resources if needed. Um, and then maybe number three, I think, is sort of back to that sim simplicity level, is that um, employees um, employees want to know they're um, cared for and, and being taken care of by their employers. So employers and managers, I think, should make sure they're checking in regularly with their employees, making sure things are okay, um, especially because this is an unprecedented time. So if, if employees know that at least that level of care there, that level of transparency might be there, then I think that can go a long way in terms of reducing some of these worries and concerns we're going to see over time. My guest has been Carrie Nelson, a senior researcher at the Society for Human Resource Management. Carrie, thank you very much for being on the Prevention Podcast. Yep, thanks for having me. The Prevention Podcast airs every other Tuesday at noon Eastern Time. Available wherever you get your podcasts. You can sign up for our newsletter at livesafemobile.com and follow us on Twitter at LiveSafe.